This is the Huddle.com LifeCast. We're talking to inspired and insightful people who have faced life's greatest challenges and broken through. Welcome, everyone, to the Huddle.com Livecast. I'm your host, Mark Stolo. I'm joined today by Leslie King. Leslie is a counseling therapist with a focus on cognitive behavioral therapy, sometimes referred to as CBT, and also a specialist in mindfulness for pain and stress. Leslie, welcome to the Huddle Livecast. Hi, Mark. I'm glad to be here. So talking today about a topic that seems to come up a lot in the Huddle community we definitely have young people in the huddle community. They more and more seem to be expressing this angst and tension around the way they communicate with their parents around their feelings and feeling like their parents don't understand, they're not being heard. You know, they'll say something like, you know, mom, I feel depressed. And their mom, according to them, isn't hearing them. And they walk away feeling discouraged, you know, invalidated. So I want us to have a conversation today. I think it's going to be beneficial to young people. Certainly it's a conversation that hopefully parents will tune into about how we improve and enhance this relationship between parents and young people, whether they be teens, young teens, young adults, so that we can kind of harmonize and find that common ground. Because it's not always easy to accept and understand that even though we're all speaking English, assuming we're speaking English, we're not always speaking the same language. And sometimes it's hard to translate that language depending on what we hear and when we hear it. So I want you and I to go down this journey together to talk about this this dynamic of communications and this and this struggle and this tension. I would say that this time of the pandemic is probably putting a huge magnifying glass on this experience, right? It's really like amplifying the tension. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what do you think has gone on? You know, what is it about the pandemic that you think is, is creating more of this potential tension? Well, I wonder, thanks for bringing up the pandemic because I think it's really just put a magnifying glass on what, was was maybe brewing within a person or a family or a household to begin with. Um, it's not, first, let me say, it's not normal for us to be knowing what to do in these times, in these stressful, uncertain, fearful, and unprecedented times. So for kids and a family and a parent in a workplace and a parent being a parent and a parent being a parent at home, working at home, no one's written the rule book for this yet. And so we're all just taking it as it comes. And if we're struggling with it, we being the parent, the child, or the relationship, I'd say it's pretty normal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think th- there's, I don't know how much the pandemic is creating something new. Like I, there's a lot of different thoughts mm-hmm. about this. I think it's a trigger event. I think it's a, it's an amplifier. It turns up the volume. 
So I would, I would venture to guess, for example, where communication between a parent and a child was very wholesome and balanced and uh, reciprocal, that the pandemic might add a layer of stress, but that those two people would find a way through. Whereas parents and kids who may have had pre-existing tensions in the way they communicated yes. might feel like super amplification because of the strain of the pandemic. Do you think that the pandemic... Is it is it create something new or is it really exacerbating an issue that's already there? It's it's highlighting an issue that's already there. I feel um, talking. Let's bring it back to communicating. First of all, we're all communicating uh, in a time that's stressful. When we're stressed, our thinking brains get turned off. This is just how we are. We're trained as humans through evolution to adapt to stress and to threat by having our turning our thinking brains turned off. And that also means we're not clearly maybe reflecting on what our kids are saying or reflecting on how we're communicating to our parents, but it doesn't mean we're not feeling those things. So to a family or to um, a teenager who's, who's trying to communicate to their parents, uh, I'm not feeling good right now. I'm curious as to what language they're using because people can feel things, but they don't always say them. Distress can come out as bad behavior. Mm. And that's just sometimes the only way we can communicate it at the time when we're, when we're not feeling good and we're in uncertain times. So on the other side of the page, the parent might be seeing, you know, bad behavior and saying, well, that's just bad behavior and not really listening and connecting to the real message that lies underneath. Yeah, I, w- I would think it would, it would take Herculean discipline Yes, from a parent who they themselves might be experiencing the stress of the pandemic because a lot of parents have been infected from a work perspective, being at home. You know, I see some parents on Zoom, they look like they've been through like 10 marathons. You know, they're just beleaguered. Um, to have the discipline to take a step back and say, Okay, I you know I know my child is having a tantrum of sorts. To your point, this bad behavior, but I'm going to have the self discipline and the wherewithal to say, there's an emotional current under this behavior. There's some unexpressed feeling, wish, want, you know, that I need to look at to help diffuse this behavior rather than addressing the symptom, right? Absolutely. Being, I would say, think of leaning in. What do we do when we're afraid or when someone's exhibiting bad behavior? We kind of, we kind of lean back and we go, Oh, don't like that. That's either scary or unpleasant. And I'm going to withdraw. What happens if we lean in and we're curious and saying, what are you really trying to tell me? Let's say you have a two-year-old throwing a tantrum Is the tantrum really about the toy or is it a frustration? Um, Similarly with teenagers, you know, the behavior doesn't change. The age changes, but it just manifests differently. So leaning in, being curious and asking questions. What does it feel like to be you? Help me understand. Those are all great sentence starters. Yeah, I love that. I love that approach. I think that it the discipline pays off in spades. It's such, you know, it's so worthwhile to make that investment 
Because otherwise, you're just you know, you're likely just to see the repeat in the behavior pattern, right? Because again, the 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 virus to use a an ugly pandemic word hasn't really been addressed. The thing that's percolating below the surface, you know, you might have been punitive for the behavior. Go to your room, or I'm taking your phone away, or you can't see your friends. But the the catalyst feeling hasn't really been talked about, you know. Yeah. And to your point, I think asking those really critical questions, those curious, open, non-judgmental questions, a time for you just to express how you're feeling is a great thing. Obviously, boundaries matter, right? So if there's a problem behavior that needs addressing, you can address it. But it doesn't preclude that conversation of, you know, tell me what's going on with you. Tell me how you're feeling. Absolutely. There's a psychologist just um practicing out of calgary alberta who i really enjoy uh her work and her book she has a lot of experience with youth and i often refer to a lot of concepts that she uses for working with children um her name is dr jody carrington and her book is called kids these days and she's uh she's also on facebook doing quite a lot of uh, daily content that's really helpful to parents and families and she talks about asking those questions of leaning in, being curious, and saying, let's approach this together. She talks a lot about making connection, because making connection will also help for those times when discipline is an appropriate action, and perhaps a needed action. But discipline can work well when there's a connection mm. with between parent and child. So I really bring it all back to connecting. And what I'd like to say, Mark, about connection is as parents it's really hard to foster connection and to you, as you said, have that self-discipline if we're losing it, you know, we're at home working at home with maybe kids and pets and different demands on our time and how regulated are we as parents? So when we talk about making connections, it's about dialing everything down and taking the time to first of all, care for ourselves as parents to be able to have the mental space to make those connections and ask those leaning in questions. I would also suggest that, I know this is really hard, but I see this pattern often that parents will ask things of their kids that they're not manifesting. You know, you want your kids to be calm, cool, and collected, you know, yes. to be little mini emotional gurus, self-aware gurus of their lives. And yet, you know, you might be neurotically on your phone or uh, responding in anger to situations that are tense. The words go far, you know, they don't go anywhere near as far as just the actual manifestation of your behavior, which, which I, you know, is so sensorial for them. They're absorbing so much of that. And if the words contradict, I don't know what the psychology of it is, but based on everything I do know, they'll default to what they see not to what you say. They'll absolutely, they'll default to what they see. They'll default to what they have been taught and to what you have modeled. And let's face it, we're not perfect and no one's perfect and should expect to be perfect in these days. Uh, but effort goes a long way. So let's just say that with, you know, we learn and we have as skills what we were taught by our caregivers. And we will be handing those down to our children and the people, the children in our lives that we care for as well. 
So they will only be as regulated as you, the parent is in those situations. And that's why I bring it back to self-care. Yeah. So you know what, if you're a mom or a dad working at home with toddlers or teens who aren't exhibiting what is helpful to you while you're on your zoom call, you know, it's okay in these days to just do what you need to do. Take a two minute break, a five minute break. It doesn't need to be the end of the world and it doesn't need to be life changing, but small little changes of self care can go a long way to helping the family environment and the relationship with your kids. Yeah, I think that's so critical. We think of self care as like the, the counterpoint to being with my kids. Oh, I need time away from the kids to take care of myself. Well, Yes, you need your own time, but this is a gift that you give back to your kids tenfold. You know, when you come back into the house 10 degrees calmer, you know, where you have the the mindset and the openness to be actively curious and caring, that's a very resonating gift. Absolutely. And it, it also reminds your kids that self-care is important for them as well. Yeah, yeah that taking that step back, whether they're stressed about school or friends, that a step back is sometimes the best way to get perspective on an issue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, if you do a self, self-care can mean many different things. For some people, self-care, uh, talking adults and children and teens alike, self-care can include, we used to say it included, okay, sleep, nutrition, and exercise. Well, nowadays, connections is the fourth primary self-care uh we're in such a time of isolation connection will help us regulate it will help our mood we are programmed for connection so to be isolated in an uncertain time makes everything worse so if we add connection to our self-care plan that can be connection with others and connection with ourselves so that can mean spending time alone it can mean connecting with friends on zoom if you're in an isolating situation Mm -hmm. I also like what you said about the fallibility of parenthood. I think one Mm -hmm. of the tensions that a lot of parents live with is this feeling like I always have to be the quote unquote perfect parent. And I don't even mean that in the light of like perfect, like doing everything right, but just the being infallible that somehow I'm not allowed to make a mistake or if I shout or if I'm overly frustrated or maybe I've done the wrong thing that that's not somehow a learning opportunity for me to disclose to my kids and talk about the experience of not succeeding at something. I lo- there was I was reading something recently and um can't honestly remember where it was, but there was a a child who was talking about their parent and they said my father every single week would check in with me and ask me what this week I failed greatly at. And the message that the child was left with was there's great learning in failure. You know, mm-hmm. there's great that that failure is really just that opportunity for learning, right? It's not it doesn't have to be an opportunity for self-judgment or self-deprecation or um I think that is such a massive lesson that parents yeah. can share with their kids. Like a lesson for many lifetimes over and over again, because I guarantee you your kids are going to run in all kinds of deflated moments and moments where goals weren't met how do you what do you say to parents to give them permission to be open with this experience of being human 
to absolutely to realize that not everything has to be perfect and it's okay to fail. And I don't know who came up with this acronym, but I love to use it and I'll give whoever came up with it credit. Fail can stand for first attempt in learning. Um, that's a message you can pass on to your children and you can admit to not knowing to your kids. You know, it's okay to say, you know what? Mom's struggling today. Mom has good days, but you know, today's a day where I'm finding it challenging. What, do you, what are you feeling today? Asking the questions. Um, Dr. Jody Carrington often uh, says, name it to tame it. If we're not naming things with our children, we can't have the discussions. And it also helps them to put words to their feelings. And that brings it back again to maybe the behaviors, not great. <laughs> and that's, but what's behind the behavior? So, okay, what's, what's behind your, you know, behind lying about something? Mm. Is it really about the lying or is it something else that uh, your child is, is communicating? Yeah, we're, we've, we're very stuck in the doing. What are you doing? Yes. What are you doing? Yeah. But you're right. The The harder question is, what are you feeling? Yeah. You know, because we want to correct the behavior. I, I get that. I, I I see, you know, my brother has three kids. I, <laughs> I don't have any children, so I get to be this, you know, fly on the wall. Um, and I don't claim at all to have any firsthand experience with parenting. And I'm very careful about <laughs> what do I say to a parent? Like super careful. Um, but I see how how taxed they are, how they have their own stressors. And, and, you know, when the kids misbehave, that there sometimes is a trigger response. It's, you know, so, but it's interesting to your point to be willing to go to a place with them where they start to understand their behavior in an emotional context as well. They understand things like intention and motivation um, and how feeling triggers actions and how that connects back to our thoughts. Because mm-hmm. I see this very rampantly. And um, I've always said there's a very unusual tension in with young people in particular. They, there's The informational pathway is so fast, right? There's so much information flowing now. Everywhere you turn, there's an incessant feed of content. And yet you can't hurry the emotional development, right? You can't accelerate it past a certain point. So... There's one pathway that's moving at 100 miles an hour and the other one that's moving at the path of evolution, which is maybe 10 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And so they're bombarded with all kinds of things and messages and, and they're having trouble processing. They're having trouble mm-hmm. making sense of all of that content. Um, and that can create its own kind of frustration, you know, particularly how plugged in they are right now to everything. You know, like I can imagine what it's like right now, like absorbing all of this COVID information as a 15-year-old. What, 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 what must that feel like when every time you open a social feed, it's like COVID this, COVID that, you got to do this, got to do that, can't do this. This is people suffering. Mm-hmm. This is people hurting. It's like, wow, that's a lot to absorb for a, an emotionally developing brain. And during stressful times, no matter what age we're at, we seek connection. Connection makes us feel good. It makes us feel safe. And and we we need that from our parents we need that from our friends and and let me let me also say come back to a point you said about um your brother having children it's not only for parents a lot of us have children in our lives uh whether we're teachers whether we're parents whether we have you know children that we care about um through family friends 
Uh, we are all influencers in a child's life and we can all play a role and we can all present opportunities for them to learn from our regulation mm. and to create those connections, which makes make them feel safe, yeah. make them feel calm and reassured. What do you say to a young person? We've, I mentioned this at the outset of our podcast. What do you say to a young person who's gone to their parents has shared sometimes, I mean, they're self-reporting it's sometimes hard to understand how they're sharing, but based on their self-reports, they're saying things to their parents like, I feel depressed I'm anxious all the time. I don't want to leave the house. And oftentimes, like I mentioned, the message they hear back from their parents to them feels dismissive. Oh, you're not depressed. You know, you're just having a bad day or just go do X, Y, Z. And what do you say to those young people who are struggling to help, struggling to get their parents to hear them? Um, how do you move from that place? when when you just feel unheard i would say to young people there's you know everyone's going through something these days and let, let's just talk specifically for covid times so we don't may they may not realize what it's like for mom and dad and compassion goes a long way that goes both ways compassion from the kids to their parents and parents to their kids. So all of us having compassion for each other, for our families, for our communities is going to go a long way. That being said, if, if, if a family or an adult in your life isn't able to hear you and you need help, I would say reach out to someone who can help in the immediate the rest of the help can come from family members, but you know, family members might be needing help too. Yeah. And so if you're really struggling in the, in the immediate, um, reach out to uh, kids help phones, uh, kids help. There's a lot of new resources out there. And I know a lot of them we can, we, we share on huddle, um, but reaching out to people who can help you now is yeah. first and foremost, a priority. I, I like that. I, I, I appreciate that. The we obviously want our parents to be like a go-to resource. And to your point, on our point of fallibility, they're not, they may not be primed in the right place mentally to be able to be the best support in that moment. I also, I, I'm, I, I encourage young people to find also advocates within their, their extended family. There may be other family members who may have the mental, you know, bandwidth, so to speak, or the emotional bandwidth to it, to also be an advocate for them. You know, can be helpful. Look for, for the helpers. Yeah, I like to see in a time like this. Look for the helpers, and the helpers can be what's your circle of support. So if you if you kind of drew a circle and you're in the center, and you have different different aspects of each person's life, be it work, friends, family, um, spiritual leaders, and community members, other community members, teachers. Uh, there's a lot of helpers in all of those different aspects of each person's life. Yeah, I love, love, love that metaphor of the circle of care. We talk about it a lot in the caregiver context, but it's very important in the family context it, uh, overall. This idea of even having adoptive families, like extended families, parents of friends who are also trusted allies. And it brings a lot of richness into it into a young person's life to have 
other sounding boards, other mirrors for their experience, obviously, hopefully positive ones, but it gives them a much richer, deeper, particularly around, you know, uh, culturally diverse families that they're actively participating in. I think those are all really smart suggestions. Thank you for that, Leslie. Thank you for those good insights, just helping get, helping parents just feel more grounded and giving them permission to also sometimes feel like they're tripping over their own shoelaces, so to speak. Yeah. That's okay yeah. too. We get, sure. we get to run you through the LifeCast questionnaire. Perfect. Surprise. <laughs> I look forward to it. So tell me, what's your favorite quality in a person? Um, integrity, if I can use two words, integrity and honesty. Sure. We'll give you two. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a mantra or an idea that guides your life? Something that you go back to that helps you feel more grounded? Um, I'm inherently a positive person, so I tend to look at the positive side. And I'm going to use a mantra that I just recently came across, and I will not take credit for it. Um, I'll, I'll give credit to the person who shared it with me. Um we were talking pretty recently about some things that were going on. And this person said, I'm not okay, but I'm going to be okay. Hmm. And I really like that. And I'd like to see that on t-shirts and coffee cups. So for those t-shirt and coffee cup makers out there, you've got, <laughs> you've got a new tagline. Is, <laughs> that's right. Is there a per- one person in particular that stands out in your mind that's had a, a, a notable influence on how you see the world? <gasps> Oh my gosh. Um, one person in particular, uh, Margaret Atwood. Hmm. Good choice. Mm-hmm. One area of your life now where you're very focused on doing your own personal growth work. My own personal growth work. Um, a new definition of self-care, which involves... Um, mindfulness and mindful doing in that um yeah taking care of positive thoughts and moving forward mindfully mindset throughout everything yeah mm-hmm. let's say i gave you 24 hours to see the world through some other point of view who or what would you want to be for that 24 hours oh my gosh for 24 hours, who or what? Um, that is a really, really good question. <laughs> stumped. Yeah, I'm pretty stumped on that one. Can I defer to Margaret Atwood again? You could, for sure. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to see what she's thinking about the Absolutely. pandemic. For yeah, sure. For sure. Her, her next book. I give you the opportunity to have any superpower what would it be? To have any superpower. Um, hmm. Super Leslie. To shift everything to a positive tone for the world. Wow. Yeah, that would be like the end of news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. might be a good thing. Yeah. We'd have to shut down half of social networks. Again, could be a good thing. Could be. I think that's brilliant. 
I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I think if anything, the gift that you've given today, the superpower gift that you've given today is the ability for parents to cultivate new ways of shifting their own mindsets around how they look at their interactions with their kids. I hope parents take this as a moment of reflection and pause to think about what they want, what they're trying to create out of their relationships with their, with their kids or their teens or young adults. Um, and keep their eye on that prize as much as they can. And I, and I know that that's a struggle, but thank you for sharing those perspectives. Yeah, you're welcome. So you can stay connected and continue learning with Leslie on huddle.com. Her handle on huddle is at Leslie King. Leslie's also available for one-to-one counseling in the huddle network. That's online counseling that you can book with her when you become a member at huddle.com. Hopefully look forward to Leslie also potentially hosting groups through huddle. That's something that we're, we just launched on huddle where we have our pros leading group sessions um, on a variety of different topics that are focused on personal growth and, and transformation. For those of you that are new to huddle, huddle is a place to meet amazing people who are sharing wisdom, finding support and becoming the best versions of themselves. This has been the huddle.com Lifecast. I want to thank you for tuning in and thank you for turning on to your lives. 